0: Tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 122. As the daughter of one of the most evangelistic people I know, I really wish I was as passionate and especially bold about sharing my faith like my daddy was. Cliff Gustafson never missed an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. It was the thing he lived for, bringing the good news. But today's interview with Shawnee Pilgrim about her new book, Translating Jesus, really encouraged me because she helped me see that witnessing doesn't have to be as difficult as I often make it. It really comes down to this, loving people and loving them so much. We just can't help but share the hope and the life that we found in Jesus. Well, it is so exciting to have Shauna Pilgreen in the living room with me. Welcome, my friend. Hi Joanna.
1: Thanks for having me over to your living room.
0: Well, it was so fun to catch up and realize that you reminded me that I met you about six years ago at a writer's conference. And now here you are, two books in. I didn't even know it, but when the title came across my desk, I'm like, I've got to have that girl. And ooh, I'm so glad I did because I know that you not just, you don't just write th- these books, you live them. This one's called Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language Today's Culture Can Understand. Oh my goodness, that resonates so much in my heart because I feel like somehow in all our well-meaning, we've complicated the gospel and we've even made it so as just normal Christians, we're afraid to share our faith because we don't know what to say. So I cannot wait to hear First of all, your story, but also what you've been learning about translating to Jesus to a, a world who really, really wants a Savior, not only needs a Savior, but I really believe wants a Savior.
1: Yeah. Joanna, I, I love talking about Jesus, and I'll just even give you a little bit of history from when we met to up till now and what I've been working on, but when you and I met, we had been living in the city of San Francisco. We moved here to start a church. And we had been living in the city for at that time, I guess about seven years. And the book that I pitched at that writer's conference that got picked up by uh, Revel Books is Love Where You Live. And the whole idea of that book is just really this idea of like when God puts you among a people in a place, like how do you neighbor well? How do you live on mission among people? And I share a lot in that book of, just really practical strategies of how to do it in your day to day. But I tell a lot of our personal story of what it was like from moving from the Midwest and the South to an urban center in the world and not necessarily bringing all of my theology and ideas Mm -hmm. and ways Mm -hmm. to a people, but really learning what it's like to come alongside people and learn their culture and their past and their history and their language um, to better understand how to minister and come alongside them. And so Love Where You Live is the missional book. And the, the title is just, even when we were working on the title, like, I wanted it to be something that would just be just gentle and refreshing and just an op- opens up the, the door for conversation. Well, Translating Jesus is a little bit different. <laughs> um, <laughs> has a different feel to it. But as I've learned, and as we've called the city of San Francisco home for over, over 13 years now, Translating Jesus is the evangelism book. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, and again, everything I write, I am, they're all to be continued stories. I am in the thick of relationships and conversations ongoing. So none of these like have nice bows tied on any story. They're all works in progress, but translating Jesus, it's the evangelism book. It is how do we live among a people, um, whether that's at work, at the park, whether that's just in an urban setting or a rural setting, whether because you're on ministry or you're in a secular job. But the idea of like, how do we bring Jesus into conversations in ways that people can connect to? So that's what translating Jesus is all about.
0: Wow. Well, as I'm listening to you, I realize that's really what Jesus did. That's really what he did. He went to people and he met them where they were. And, you know, he never had his little short little, you know, two minute testimony that he gave the same thing to same to every single person. He met them at the point of their need. And I wonder if that's not part of overcomplicating it is we think there's a formula. And so we try the formula. And then when it doesn't work, we're like, well, I messed that up rather than letting it be this overflow of relationship, which is, is exactly what Jesus did.
1: So good, Joanna. I mean, when you think about what Jesus said to Matthew, he said, follow me. Yeah. When he, uh, when he spoke to the woman who had the issue of blood, he said, your faith has made you well. He said very different things to different people. You're right. It wasn't just a, a cookie cutter answer. And I think, um, I hope that translating Jesus is a refreshment to anyone who reads it, that It's not a cookie cutter answer that your story, your life, the way that God has gifted and wired you, how he has saved you and called you to himself, that's the story. Those are the moments. Those are the days that God wants to use to bring hope and healing and purpose and salvation to the people around you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that you're doing this. In one of
0: the most difficult cities, at least in from even when you talk to Christians, they're like, Oh, yeah, San Francisco, I don't know. And yet, God's put you right there, a nice little southern bell, right there in a crossroad of cultures, and not just a different culture, but many, many, many different cultures. What have you learned about that? I, I think. I think some of us might go, well, wait a minute. The gospel is the gospel and you've got to speak the truth no matter what. When you say translating Jesus, are you talking that we've got to recreate our theology or maybe change things? How do we do this? How do we translate Jesus to the culture we're in?
1: Yes. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the gospel, the good news is the same. And it's been the same. It will forever be the same. And it is the best news we have to give the world. So it doesn't matter if I'm telling people about Jesus in the Bible belt or in mainland China or in Iceland, it doesn't matter. Like Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the way, the truth, and the life to the father. And there's no other way. And I write in the book, I talk about the narrow gate, like I mean, we all have to go through the narrow gate to find the freedom that we have in Jesus. So that, that does not change. But how we translate him to other people, that's what has to change. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I live in a culture where 40% of the people that I do life with right here were born in a different country.
0: Wow.
1: So I can, even as I'm looking out the window right now, my neighbors that are from China, my neighbors that are from the Philippines, um, my neighbors that are from Oregon, like literally right here, I'm looking into their yards and and their um, front porches, the way they understand faith and purpose and life is different one from another. And so, when I talk about translating Jesus, I'm talking about taking the Jesus that has saved you and called you and means so much to you, and talking about him, introducing him into a way that your neighbor would understand him. Right. And so it is. It is. It's different person to person. So I tell a lot of stories, and I'll just, if I can, just share one yes, with you. Yes. Yes. But um, because we live in the city, my husband had taken. Um, the car to church. We only had we only had one car at the time, so he's taking the car to church with the kids, and I came a little later. And um, by the way, my husband's a pastor, so you know pastors are always having to show up very early on Sundays. So they were all on their way. I called um, a Lyft driver to come pick me up, and I hop in the car. I'm headed to church, so I'm giving him the address, and so he says, "Where are you going?" And I tell him I'm going to church. So I I say in the book that we went we went there both in the car and in conversation. So he was asking me all these questions about church and what it means to me. And as we passed by a billboard on the freeway, it was an advertisement, um, Airbnb headquarters are here in our city. And so it was an advertisement and he pointed to that and he said, that's where my family's from. And the billboard was referring to Afghan refugees. Mm-hmm. And he began to open up that he's doing everything he can to get his parents out of there, but that he and his wife and kids are, have found safety in San Francisco. And we began to talk a little bit more of what that process has been like. He's stressed out, just overwhelmed. And I just said, I said, hey, if you'll keep your eyes open while you drive, I would love to pray for your family to pray for peace. Mm -hmm. And so he kept his eyes open. I just began to pray. I prayed to God, but I prayed in the name of Jesus. And when he pulled over to let me out, I handed him a card, um, an invite card to come to our church. And he told me, he said, one, no one's ever prayed with him before. Wow. And two, he's never felt this peace before. Wow. So I share that as an example of saying, that's what it looks like to take the Jesus that lives in me and introduce him to the rideshare driver, but in a way that he could connect with God. Yeah. So in that moment, I didn't need to explain the cross of Jesus Christ. He needed peace. Mm. He needed peace. And so I brought the Jesus of peace to Him. And so that's just one of many examples that I explain in the book of like what it looks like to pay attention to your culture. And our cultures are different. So paying attention to culture and then praying for that opportunity every day. God, would you give me an opportunity today to be able to introduce you to somebody? And when we get to practice both of those languages, the language of culture, paying attention, and the language of Christ, which is prayer, then we become bilingual because now we're speaking both languages.
0: Mm. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. And I love that again, that we're not just, you know, dump, backing up the dump truck and giving them the whole load of all the shoulds and the should nots. And and this is what, you know, we're not overcomplicating it. And you know, I've been really meditating on the verse that Paul writes, and I believe it's in Romans where he says, I'm afraid that just like Eve. Satan will lead you astray from your simple and pure devotion to Christ. And I I think sometimes, again, I overcomplicate the gospel. Sometimes, if we're not careful, I think we can almost be Pharisees and we tie up burdens and put them on people's back rather than introducing them to the Savior who came to set them free when we come with all of our shoulds and our should nots. And, And so, I love this whole concept of. First of all, yes, engaging in culture. And that brings us to an important point because it feels like, Shauna, more and more, we're becoming so polarized in our society that it's become us against them rather than us with the good news sent to them. How do we walk that? How do we walk that, that tension of... But it's an ungodly world. And how how do I engage there when everything feels so wrong about it? How do I, how do I bring Jesus? Get out of my little, you know, it's almost like we've kind of gotten to the place where we're like, okay, circle the wagons, you know, we gotta be on the defense, rather than going into all the world and sharing the gospel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, just to keep in um, in line with just how Jesus lived. He, we know, I mean, he was deeply connected to his father. He drew away to pray. But when he was with people, when he was along the shore, when he was at the market, at the gate, he wasn't, to your point, he wasn't dumping everything about him onto the leper or the layman or the blind yeah. person. He wasn't. He was right there and he was more concerned with their need yeah and what was going on in their lives and i think what you're describing i i'm in those places all the time where i consider what all jesus has done for me and where i am with god and i feel like i have to take all of that to every person i'm with yeah when no i come into scripture through the holy spirit under the authority of god and i learn and i grow with him that's the whole point of the second section of this book the cross like we need time at the cross we need time with our savior but that's not so we get all of this stuff and we take our 20 year old faith and go throw it on somebody else like let jesus do these things in us yeah but as we go and engage with the cashier or the barista or the school teacher or our next door neighbor we do it with where they're at yeah we miss, that's the whole point of translating we miss people if we're trying to give them everything we've learned in our 20 years of faith onto them when maybe they've been hurt by the church, or they're deconstructing yeah. their faith, or they haven't even heard the name of Jesus, like maybe they're new to the America and they've never been exposed to it. And you're the first time they're hearing from it, hearing about it. Yeah. So I think it's so important that like, it's not downplaying what we're learning and receiving in our quiet times and in our church groups and small groups. We're not. That's so important but the idea of the book is figuring out like how do we bring Jesus into culture? How do we share him in a way that's winsome and and able to for people to be able to understand?
0: Absolutely. And I think it comes down to like just bringing his love, bringing his compassion, bringing his presence. And I think sometimes we forget that that he lives within us. Yes. So every time we walk into a situation, we really are Bringing Jesus, the challenge that I sometimes have is: Am I, am I channeling Joanna, <laughs> or am I translating Jesus? You yes. know, is it my flesh yes. that they're meeting? And you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm running behind. I can't believe that you messed up my order.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or am I bringing the love and mercy of Christ? And boy, especially in this time in this age. Um, there, there's so much pressure out there and there's, and it seems like we're as just as in general, as a culture, we're getting less kind rather than more kind, especially when our needs aren't met. And so to come mm-hmm. in a counter cultural manner that goes, yeah. Hey, how can I pray for you? It looks like mm-hmm. you're having a hard day. And so I, I've really been, the Lord's been challenging me. Joanna, you don't realize it, but you're my representative. You're the only Jesus some people are going to ever see. So w- yeah. what, how are they going to interpret me? How are you translating them? Is it accurately? And yeah. so I love that whole idea. You've got the book d- divided into the three portions. Can you kind of flesh that out for us a little
1: bit? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really had a lot of fun putting together the table of contents and the structure of the book. So the three places we go in the book are three places that Jesus spent time. At the gate, at the cross, and at the table, and the gate represents the marketplace culture, really where we spend the bulk of our week, and then the cross that represents your personal time with God. I've read a lot about scripture, your personal time with God, your your um, being a part of a local body of Christ, the small groups where you've got that accountability, and you're getting deeper in your faith. So that's the cross, and then the table represents what you would imagine the table to be. It's this idea where You can be at a place and you could have like a non-Christian and a Christian being at the same place. This idea that that's where you're becoming bilingual, where you're able to speak both languages. So what I did with the table of contents is you literally could read seven chapters at all three places, or you could read them across and you could read learning the language at the gate, the cross and the table, knowing the landscape at the gate, the cross and the table, meeting people. At the gate, the cross and the table. So you could read it several different ways. And the real the, the reason for this is because it's not this linear path of we get saved, we work until we get to heaven. It's not this straight linear path. It's this idea of like I might be at the gate today, the cross in the morning, the table in the afternoon, and I might be with different people in all three places. So it's this back and forth, linear path that we're just in life with people. But I really try to shake us up, especially shaking up the Christians into thinking that we're saved. That's done. Now if I'll just, until I get to heaven. But rather, I feel like the Jesus life is this back and forth, you know, messy, chaotic movement through life where we just get to be surprised when the Holy Spirit interrupts you, Joanna, interrupts your day, at the restaurant or the gas station or wherever. And he says, hey, there's a reason for you here. Notice this person, yeah. you know, whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, you've got to be ready for messy uh with translating Jesus.
0: I love that. I love that. One of my dear friends who's passed on, uh Dick Schroeder, he talked about each morning he just puts up his antenna and he says, Holy Spirit, show me what you What you have for me today and just being sensitive to the leading. And that's something that has really helped me when it comes to sharing my faith, when those doors kind of open, is to remember that Jesus has already been there. He's already working in that situation. So it's not all on me. That I I'm not I don't have to plant water and 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 harvest in the same afternoon. I just to get to be a piece of his work, and that has really kind of taken the heavy. I know I should witness. Um, you know, how what are some other ways?
1: Well, I'm I'm even wondering like how. I think maybe it's even a little selfish of us if we're feeling like we're supposed to do it all.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's super you know- selfish. <laughs> Because I really, honestly, I'm like, okay, God, let me just live in this section, the harvest. I don't, exactly. I, don't I don't, want to just plant. I don't want to just water. I want results. Thank you very much.
1: I know. Well, you put the seed in the ground and you're like, where did it go? Yes. <laughs> you yes. don't always know it. But um, yeah, I think we just have to grow in this contentment of like, I put the seed in the ground and I just am going to trust that God is going to bring someone else to water it. Joanna, we had someone, a young lady. Moved to our city just a few weeks ago, and she started university here. And it was one of those those stories, those harvest stories that you just long for. And um, she came to talk to me after church, and basically she said, "Someone this past summer, um, and she's from Eastern Europe. Someone this past summer invited her to camp, and she heard about Jesus for the first time." She goes back home to her to the um, the capital of that of the country she's from. She finds a church. She was only there for three weeks before she's. She moves to the city in the United States to go to church. She comes forward and she says, "I'm ready to trust Jesus." Wow! Now I got to be a part of that harvest moment, which is rare. So many times, you're right; it's the watering the seeds and the sowing the or planting the seeds. But she was just ready. But as we, as she prayed to receive Christ, I just told her, "I said, sometime today, text, call, email that person who invited you to camp. They need to know that the seed that they sowed." has produced a harvest and, um, it's fun. I, that was three weeks ago. This is the third Sunday. She's back and you can just tell that, that Jesus yeah. has changed her life. Um, but those are rare moments. you know, the other day I was at the grocery store and, um, it was a long line. And by the time I get to, to pay for my, my groceries, no one else was in line. And I could tell that the cashier, her arm, she had it tucked in her apron. And I just said, I said, Hey, is everything okay with your wrist, your arm? And she had some swelling with carpal tunnel. And again, I looked, no one else was in line. And I said, hey, do you mind if, I said, I'm a person who prays. Do you mind if I pray with you right now? And she welcomed it. Now, I didn't see, we didn't see any of the swelling go down, but we both had smiles on our faces. I'm smiling because God, thank you. I was attentive to you. I saw you. Thank you for using me. And I think she had the smile on her face that she was seen and heard and someone prayed for her. So that was a seed. I don't know what's going to come of that, but that was a seed. So um, I don't know. You're right to to what you described, like having those antennas up. Um, And I think the more opportunities that we step into to partner with what the Holy Spirit's doing, we want more and He gives us more.
0: So correct. Like it becomes the great adventure. You know, it really does. And yet I think there are so many fears That that shut us down. You know, we feel like, well, I don't know enough of the Bible. You know, I I I maybe I've been saved all my life, but I really really don't know the Bible, and I don't know what I would say. Or maybe we have the objection of, well, I'm not really living the life I should. I know I should be better, and because I haven't experienced some of the breakthroughs that I know God has for me, then I feel a little hypocritical to try to offer it to others. How do we step through or past those objections that we sometimes have?
1: So good. I'm right there with you. So one of the things, well, I'll I'll address one and then I'll come back to the other. One thing I write about, and I believe wholeheartedly in, Joanna, is we've got to normalize repentance. Yes repentance is not that thing that just happens when you meet Jesus for the first time and you confess your sins and ask him to forgive you of your sins and you're just done with it. The people I do life with need to know that I'm at the cross all the time.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
1: That today I said the wrong thing to my kid or I lost my temper with my husband or I pulled out in front of that car or I got frustrated with the person at the restaurant. Like, I have to come back to the cross all the time and our non-Christian friends our culture this mm-hmm. world needs to know that I have to keep coming back to Jesus for his forgiveness yes. and his mercy and his grace that's not a one and done thing but they are new every morning. Yeah. So I have to be and I say repentant people are receptive people. Yeah. If I realize I had to be at the cross today I'm going to do a much better job at portraying Jesus to someone else. Then if I feel like I've got to have everything together and I don't need His grace today, but I've got more more than enough, then I'm not actually going to look for opportunities to share Him. But if I normalize repentance and repentant people are receptive people, that just goes so far. And then the other thing, and I tell this story in the book. So Alpha is an organization I work for, and Alpha really is just about bringing the love of Jesus. To a table where we can have conversations with people in a safe, judgment free way. And one thing that I've learned is, I, as we run Alpha at our church, I had a conversation with three non Christians and I just asked them, this was at the very end of our course, I said, if you didn't know anything about Christianity, how would you want to be told? And all three of them gave separate answers. They said, explain to me the facts, tell me your story, and invite me to what you're a part of. Wow. Explain to me the facts. Tell me your story and invite me to what you're a part of. We are more scared than the world is.
0: Yes.
1: We're afraid that we're going to be rejected or they're not going to like it or we're going to offend. We've got all the reasons. I'm with you too. But honestly, these are three non-Christians who said, tell me, tell me, tell me who Jesus is. Mm. What has he done for you? Why is he worth following? Yeah. And then invite me to what you're doing. Even if I'm going to tell you no, or it's going to take you five times to invite me, invite me. I want to be a part. I Mm. want to be included. And then explain to me the facts. I just need to know the truth. And the truth is that Jesus loves you. I break this down in the book. Jesus loves you. You can love him back by giving your life to him. And then we can spend the rest of our days loving one another.
0: Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's it. And, and I think honestly, like if it was about us being perfect, unblemished, you know, never failing people, then we were really gutting the good news. The good news is, yes, I am saved by grace, but I'm also being changed by grace. And that's a process. Yes. And that the same Jesus who saved me and I have heaven one day is the Jesus who can meet me in my pain, meet me in my sorrow, meet me in my bad behavior with mercy and grace and power to become different people. And I kind of wonder, like, I've actually prayed this, Lord, I want to be born again, again. That's what I've been saying. Because I've forgotten, I, you know, first of all, I was four years old when I gave my heart to Jesus. So I don't have, I don't remember the moment, you know, which is, you know, Like pastors say, remember the moment, remember how you were before you got saved. And it's like, well, no, not really. Or as my husband likes to say, I was saved from the bottle at two, you know, (laughs) so it's like, but it's, it's that moment where he's touched me today, that work that he's done in my heart when I couldn't forgive. And he helped me forgive that peace that he gave, even though everything went wrong, that's the Savior we're offering the world. Yes. Not the Roman road, although it has its place. Not the four spiritual laws, although they have its place. It's who Jesus is and who He wants to be to that person in front of us. And it's not as hard as we make it.
1: No. In fact, it actually is easier than we make it because my eight-year-old salvation story is not going to connect to my my 80-year-old neighbors. That's right. That's not going to translate. But what's going to translate is when we talk about raising our kids and when we talk about being scared, we talk about the fears that they have of living here and growing older here, that translates. And so where do I go when I'm afraid? Yeah, That's what they need to know. They don't need to know my eight-year-old salvation story. Hmm. They need to know where do I go when I'm afraid? And that does
0: mean that we've got to not only have a lifestyle of repentance, but we need to have that ongoing friendship with the Lord, you know, and just, just letting him have access, letting him love us, letting him change us all, all the good things. Oh my goodness. This is so, so powerful. Any other things that just are, they're just the Holy Spirit's kind of stirring you to say.
1: Yeah. Well, I think even just on that note too is, um, like We've also got to be good at asking questions. And I think as Christians who um, have been church for so long, we we are so good about receiving the knowledge, whether it's Bible study, sermons, whatever, podcasts, like we just soak it in, soak it in. And so our tendency is just to push it out. When I think it's modeled through Jesus, we know he asked Hundreds of questions, mm-hmm. um, and very seldom did he answer them. So he asked a lot of questions. So I think even just us practicing asking questions, it um, it takes the spotlight off of us and it puts it on them. And people, and you pointed this out already. We live in a culture where we're less and less kind. We're also less and less in front of each other. Yeah, we do so much on on screen, so we catch society off guard we catch them by surprise when we ask them a question mm. when we pay attention to them and we truly listen to them and again i think that's what makes the gospel easier than we're making it if i listen to what they're saying then i'm not having to figure out all the things i've got to tell them mm. i simply respond to what they're what they're yeah. saying yeah and so i think um yeah just being better about asking asking questions yeah And I
0: think just bringing Jesus into the conversation, like, you know, can I pray with you or, or even just being willing to go, you know what, I, I don't necessarily have the answers for that right now, but I know someone who does. And, Mm -hmm. you know, could I pray with you or being willing to say, that's a great question. I'd like to kind of study that out and being willing to go out back and find some answers that they may have but i really like what you said i think people aren't afraid of the gospel like we are afraid of sharing it in fact i think there's a mm-hmm. hunger there's a hunger for something real something genuine yes. i mean life is getting more and more complex and um and i do wonder sometimes if 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 there isn't one of the other objections that sometimes arise in christian's heart is maybe we have an unsettled disappointment with God. Maybe he hasn't showed up the way we wanted him to. And so we're like, well, you know, I'm holding on for heaven, but I, I'm i not sure. A little bit of my story, I was such a good girl wanting to do good things that one day early in our marriage, I told my husband, I was just weeping from the depths of my being. I said, can you tell me the good news? Because I mm-hmm. honestly couldn't remember, because no matter how hard I tried, it was never enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Lord, in His mercy, brought me to the end of myself so that I could really kind of discover who He wanted to be. And so I, I would say to those of us listening, you know, the one thing I thought is, Lord, I want fresh bread. Like if I, if I'm Mm going to share, I need fresh bread. I need something new in my relationship so that I do have something to share. And, oh, well, I've loved this conversation. I do, know, I'm one of those girls raising the hand saying, I don't know why I can talk to anybody about anything, but when it comes to sharing my face, sometimes I feel like there's a stranglehold and, um, and I can't get the words out. I can't think straight. And I know that's the enemy of our soul. It's also our flesh and being afraid of doing it wrong. So I would just love to have you pray over us as we close.
1: Yes. Yes. Let's pray. Let's pray. I love that. Jesus, we just want to pause right now and thank you for those of us that have a relationship with you, that know you, that— whether we can remember the day that we were saved or not, we know that we have a relationship with you, that we have been bought at a price, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus, we thank you um, just for who you are to us and that we have a relationship with you. God, I pray today that you would refresh the joy of our salvation in us. Yes. God, that we would yeah, just give you thanks, realizing that um, you love us so much. And God, that love is not just for us. It's There's so much of your love to go around. So God, we receive that love. We, yes. we, we understand that remembrance of who you are. And God, we want to live with confidence and certainty that we can engage with people in our world And it' not that it it doesn't stain us. This world doesn't stain us like that. Mm. God, you are greater in us than he who is in the world. So God, we go into the world with confidence and certainty that we have the answer for what this world needs. So God, would you just fill us with a joy and a love and a compassion for other people that we are not afraid. That you would give us boldness to bring your name up, to do things um, with kindness, to be able to pray with someone, for someone to even notice something in us and say, hey, what's going on in your life? Why are you so different? Why are you smiling? And realize that we've got the hope of the world living in us. So God, we bring you into those conversations. I pray that you would fuel our faith because of this conversation we've had today in Joanna's guest room. We pray Mm -hmm. all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. And Lord, I also just want to bring that one who maybe is listening today, and they would say, I I don't think I know Jesus like that. And Lord, perhaps even right now, they just feel a stirring in their heart, like like this young woman did, that uh, I want that. I I want to trust in Jesus today. So Lord, we would just... Just ask, Lord, that you would meet them right where they are. And I just want to encourage those of you who are listening who maybe don't have that personal relationship that that the Bible is just clear, that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and He forgives us our sin, and he, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I've tried to live life on my own, but I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. And then just accept that forgiveness today and let it wash over your soul. And I would pray that over every one of us, even those of us who have been Christians for years, and the enemy has just beat us up with condemnation and shame and said, Who are you to share your faith? You you are hardly a Christian. God, we just, I just ask right now, Lord, that you, again, we come and we repent, Lord. We repent of our anger, our pride. We repent of our stubbornness and our rebellion. God, we come and we ask, Lord, that we be born again, again, that you would come and do your work afresh in our hearts. Lord, we all need a Savior every single day. And I'm just so grateful that, that we can come to you and you never turn us away thank you for this message that you are writing anew in our hearts that we can share with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you came away encouraged to share your faith like I did. There were so many nuggets that Shauna shared that I really want to remember, especially when I'm talking to someone who doesn't know the Lord. Because the good news of the gospel comes down to three simple truths. Jesus loves you. You can love Him back by giving your life to Him, and then you can spend the rest of your life together loving one another. There's a powerful message in those words that I don't want to skip by, because even as lifelong Christians, we can sometimes miss the powerful message of the good news. God didn't choose you to use you. He chose you so that you could know Him and that He could know you intimately. His deepest desire for you and me that we would spend the rest of eternity loving Him and being loved by Him, His life pouring into our life, and that life pouring out into the world. That's why Jesus came to reconcile us to the heart of the Father. In its very purest essence, it's the love of God, which is the good news. What a wonderful message we've been entrusted with. So until next time, my friend, let's keep looking for opportunities to share the love of the Father. For as we tap into His life and His love, it will just naturally overflow to the world because we'll be living and loving and leading like Him. God bless you, my friend.